If you would like to go with me, for those of you that are able to follow along or you have the ability to follow along, I want to go to John chapter 5. And um, John chapter 5, it feels like probably in the last, I don't know, three years, I have preached from or spoken from John chapter, John, the, the gospel of John more than any other uh, book in the Bible. And I go back to it again. And when I woke up this morning, the Lord spoke some of these things into my heart. I kind of, you know, a little bit like, oh, Lord, I've used these scriptures a thousand times. And God says, do it again. So we're going to read it again because a lot of you know this story. Some of you don't know this story. And so we're going to read it again uh, this morning. And for those of you that have know this story or you think you've heard me speak on this, don't check out on me. Because I don't believe today it's just a repeat. I believe God wants to give us another challenge that comes and illustrated from this very story. John chapter 5 verse number 1 says, And this there was a feast. After this there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool which, in the, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. Not Bethesda, Maryland. In case of you local people, there is no pool. In, there was a pool in Bethesda, but not this pool. Having five porches... In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the water to move. Notice that, waiting for the water to move. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well and whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. I always read that and it's still stag it's just staggering to me. 38 years, same condition. When Jesus saw him laying there, and he knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, one of the greatest questions ever asked in Scripture, he says to this guy, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and Walked. I just think there's so many amazing stories in Scripture. I personally believe this is one of the most fascinating stories in all of Scripture. Because uh, this guy, this, this, this description we're given of this guy, we don't know his name. The, the writer got... The, the writer of the story, uh, John, does not give us his name. Uh, not saying a name is insignificant, but that's not really what makes this story uh, powerful. It's not his name. What makes this story amazing is several key points that I'm sure, for those of you that have read this story before, probably jumped out to you as well. And for those of you that had just listened to it while I read it, probably kind of jumped out to you uh, also. And that is... Uh, that there are several amazing things. Number one, he had been in this condition for 38 years. 38 years. Now, we don't know how old he was. We don't know if he was 50, 60. We don't know. Life expectancy at that time wasn't what it is today. There were people that lived older. They lived to their, there were people that lived into their golden years, but it wasn't uncommon for someone to only live to their 40s or to their 30s. If you were probably, a, if you're maybe in your 40s, you were considered old at, by ancient standards because 
there was a lot of factors that uh, they didn't have like we have today, obviously. So 38 years, we don't know if this meant he had been that way his entire life. Um, we don't know if it was a condition that happened when he was a child that kind of led him to that, that now it's been 38 years. My uh, assumption, and there's many different opinions on this, if you read a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me when it comes to uh, biblical uh, culture and biblical understanding. But from my understanding, my study, I'm going to guess that more than likely he was a little older than 38 years. Because I think if he was been that way his entire life, John more than likely would have pointed it out a little different. Uh, I don't know how they determined or if there was asked how long he had been there or somebody had told him. But somewhere along the line, they knew that he had been that way for 38 years. But my guess is going to be he was actually a little older than that, that whatever the condition happened to him happened after birth. Now, he might have been 39, 40, 41. We don't know. But my, my guess is this is, wasn't the condition he was born into. At that time, it wasn't uncommon for a child to suffer through some kind of sickness or to catch some kind of disease or to be exposed to some kind of environmental hazard or to even in some ways have an accident uh, that um, uh, would lead to a, an adulthood of uh, paralysis or some kind of crippling effect as they got older. In fact, uh, I forgot where I read this recently, but there is a culture um, that uh, it, it, I believe it was somewhere in the continent, I believe it was Africa. This, uh, this man was telling a story that uh, in this particular part of Africa, which was very difficult, uh, this was about 20, 25 years ago, uh, there was at a very, very poor, uh, 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 um, it, was, it was a very hard hit area, there was a lot of war, uh, food was scarce, and so they wouldn't even name their child until after their third birthday, or they wouldn't name their child until the child got older than three years old, that the, the, the infant or, or uh, uh, toddler mortality rate was so high that they didn't even name their children until the ch children got three or older because that was sort of the expectation that they weren't going to live that long. So 38 years, my guess is going to be he wasn't born that way, but something happened when he was younger that produced this condition in him. And what's amazing is, is that he spent 38 years every day waiting and watching and hoping for change and nothing happens. Now, based off this scripture, and I'm trying to build a picture here for a moment. I'm going a little deeper than probably is necessary, but I want to kind of build this case in your mind so you understand sort of his condition, his plight, and understand his reaction to Jesus's question, but what that tells us about where his mental state had gotten to and how that really parallels to you and I and a lot of things we go through in our life. But you got to imagine for 38 years, now we don't know if he'd been coming to the pool for 38 years. Uh, we don't know that, but my guess is he had been coming to this pool a long, long time. And how do I know that? Because several clues give me this guy's condition. Now, follow me for a moment. Don't lose me. I know some of you are probably checked out on me because you're like, okay, this is, uh, no, it's not. You got to build this 
picture in your mind. How do I know he had been coming there a long time? Number one, he had pulled away from the edge of the pool. That's a huge clue, right? Because if you know when this water is troubled, the first person in gets healed, you would think you would set up shop as close to the edge of that water as you can. So if you're, if you're, if you're on the edge of the water and you constantly are met with disappointment every time, water's troubled, oh, I was looking at a bird. Oh, water was troubled, I was talking to my friend. The water was troubled, oh, I was trying to get something to eat. And you missed every opportunity or maybe you just were slow because the guy next to you was a little faster. Maybe you were slow because the person, person on the other side of the pool was just a hair. I mean, I don't know if it was like there was a race several years ago uh, in the uh, uh, Summer Olympics. One of Michael Phelps, the great swimmer of the United States, one of his last race, uh, swim, swim races he had ever competed in in the, um, in, in the Olympics. And there was literally, <clears throat> they... He won by, it was, it was like, I think one one hundredth of a second or some crazy, small, uh, almost on, you couldn't even, you couldn't even really see the difference on the replay between his hand touching and the other guy's hand touching, but with the mechanisms they had to have accurate counting, it was literally, there was, there was no separation visually between his hand and the other guy's hand, and it was so small. So I don't know if 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 that's how that worked. I don't I don't know if it was like a photo finish, and you know there was just I mean you just got your hand in, and sorry buddy, it's not your time to be healed. I don't know if it was like that. John gives us a very descriptive word that okay, you know, first guy in wins. So I don't know if this guy maybe was not. It was a little slow a couple of times. I'm I'm guessing that more than likely a couple of times he was just off. He was number two, a bunch. Because eventually when Jesus shows up, he's no longer sitting by the edge of the pool. He has now pulled himself back and he's underneath the porches, which were these like portico coverings around the pool. He had pulled himself back from the edge of the water because he had begun to come to the point where it's never going to happen. He had, he had sort of become conditioned to that well, I'll just hang out, which is amazing to me that he still hung out there every day, but he had the attitude, it's never going to happen. That's just kind of where he had gotten to. Even though he was still hoping and waiting and wishing things were going to change, he had kind of come to the point where he uh, had accepted his condition. Even though he knew that change was just out at his fingertips, he knew that there was a possibility that any moment when the angel would, would, would trouble the water, first guy in, it's your turn, there was an acceptance of his condition, but there was still this sort of other side but of the, of the, of the what-ifs. And he's kind of in this sort of in-between thing. He's living in this moment, but then he's still a dreamer. He's still got this, this, this notion because again, he's still coming to the pool every day. He's still coming there and hanging out, even though by that point in time, he had become one of the senior members of the pool. 
You know, it's kind of be frustrating, right? I, I can imagine this being the case. The Bible doesn't tell it this, but I'm just going to expand for a moment in the story because I imagine, you know, you've been there for like, you know, you've been there for 10 years. You've been hanging out at the pool for 10 years and you've just missed out a bunch of times. The Bible doesn't say how frequently the water was troubled, but it happened enough that, you know, you had to be on your toes, I guess. But can you imagine what would have happened you know, you've been there for 10 years, right? You're, you've been there hanging out for 10 years. You've been second 50 times. And you're thinking, man, you know, okay. You know what? I've, I'm Today's going, one of these days is going to be my day. So you're just staring at that water. I mean, you're just watching it. You're waiting for every little ripple. I mean, the wind blows a little bit. And you're like, you're putting your finger in. You're like, oh, that wasn't it. But I'm going to be ready. And then some guy who had never been there before shows up for the first day and lo and behold the water's troubled he puts his hand in he gets healed and you've been sitting there for 10 years and that dude comes on the first day and he gets healed i mean that would just absolutely just ah wouldn't that just i mean that would just make you I mean, that would just, uh, are you kidding me? You, I've been here for 10 years. You got here the first day and you're healed and I'm still here. I guarantee you something like that have ha would have to have happened in this guy's experience. And he's sitting there, but he's still a dreamer. He's still coming there because he knows that the answer is here. He's not, he hasn't given up to the point where, you know, he's like, you know, take me to another way. Take me to the, take me somewhere. Take me to the road. I'll, I'll, I'll just, you know, they used to have beggars along the road. In fact, the Bible says several times where Jesus came in contact with them. Uh, the disciples came in contact. We know that they would hang out by uh, certain points in the city where there was a lot of traffic, a lot of foot traffic. So why didn't he say, hey, look, you know, it's never going to happen for me. So just, just take me to, you know, the Eastern Gate. I'll hang out there. I'll just try to get some money because this ain't working. He still believed that there was hope in that water, but yet he has conditioned. So he got into that mode, and this is, the, this is the where I want to go to today. This is where he got to in his life. He started living a, a life based off as soon as. As soon as, as soon as the water's troubled, I'm going to get off my mat. My life's going to be better. As soon as that happens, my life's going to be better. As soon as I get into that water, my problems are going to be fixed. It's probably not going to happen, but if it does. See, the problem is we don't have a pool of Bethesda anymore. There's no more pool of Bethesda. Maybe I think you can go to Jerusalem. You can see, I think they actually found archaeological evidence of the pool of Bethesda. But we don't have a pool of Bethesda today. I don't have a swimming pool to here to offer you to jump in. I'm not going to wave the magic spiritual dust on it today, and you're going to, first one in gets the blessing. But here's the problem. The pool of the Bethesda is an illusion. Because why? It convinces us that our life is nothing more than our circumstances. And the pool, even though it has healing power, convinces us that we are now a victim of our circumstance and that we are a 
we are a, 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 a victim of chance. And then the problem with this is this kind of idea, we're going to get to some more practical understanding of what that is in our life, but it gets us an idea that we get deceived into believing that life is to be found outside of ourselves. It, 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 it gets us to believe that, that, that the betterment of my life is based off the circumstances around me changing. As soon as this, as soon as that, then I will, or then this will happen. And because of that, we get caught up into the illusion that the key to our life is found by this pool and this pool is the key to it and it's really an illusion because it makes us feel like that my life and the answer to my life and the path forward to my life is tied to my circumstance. And this tricks us into living this as soon as life that so many of us live. We don't say it that way, but we live a as soon as life. Most of us know this condition. We know. And we say it out loud to ourselves. We say it out loud to others. As soon as this or that happens, everything will be better. I'll be happy. Problems will go away. I'll be satisfied. All will be well. These are the things we tell. These are the lies we tell ourselves. I could say it that way. I'll be as bold as to say that. We tell ourselves these lies that if I could just get this dealt with, then this is going to be the product of that. The problem we have is as soon as this is dealt with, something takes its place. And so then we get into this idea like he had where we start to pull away and we go, well, you know, as soon as this happens, but I have no hope of it happening. I have no hope of it happening. You know, when you're a kid, a child, they often say, as soon as I get bigger, as soon as I grow up, I remember as a kid, I was like, you know, as soon as I get 16, I get to drive. As soon as I get 18, I'm going to do this. As soon as I get 21, I get to do this. As soon as I'm 30, I remember when you turn 25, you can rent a car. As soon as I get 25, I, there's always this next thing as a child you're chasing, as you grow up, uh, as you're chasing. And then when you get older, you stop trying to chase it. You start trying to go backwards because you know that, you, okay, no more chasing. It's getting too fast here. But he had this idea, as soon as I get this, then this will be the product of it. So we have that. It continues, really, because he says things like, as soon as I graduate, get a job, get a better job. As soon as I get married, or as soon as I get out of this relationship, as soon as I have more time, as soon as I have more money, as soon as I have a better house, as soon as the way he changes the way he acts, as soon as she apologizes, as soon as I feel better and get through this time of my life, as soon as they do what they want. Or how about this one? This is a good summer one. As soon as I get a vacation, as soon as I can retire, as soon as I can move to the mountains, move to the ocean, as soon as I get over this grief and no longer feel sad, as soon as I this, as soon as I that. Now, you may not use the term as soon as I, but this is the mentality we live by. As soon as this happens, then this will be the outcome. As soon as I can get this taking place. So then the problem is, 
our future, our happiness, our contentment is locked up in our circumstance. It becomes imprisoned by our current condition. And you can fill the blank in your life. But the problem is we've learned, or you should learn, or you will learn. There's always going to be another pool of Bethesda in your life. There's always going to be another situation. There's never going to be a time where you have nothing in your life that if you allow it, will we can hold you back. If you think, man, this is the hardest circumstance I've been through, you said that last time you went through something. If you think, man, if I could just get through this season, I'm so overwhelmed right now. I'm so busy. I'm so stressed out. I'm so depressed. If I can just get through this season, then I will. But tomorrow never comes. The next part never comes. We, we chase and we chase and we chase that next thing. And this is where he had gotten to. This guy had gotten to. This is the mentality he had gotten to. Because here's what happened. When Jesus shows up and Jesus asked this man who had become imprisoned by his moment. The question that seems to defy logic and seems to provide the most simplistic answer ever needed in all of God's questions asked in the Bible. He walks up to this man after 38 years and after living in this condition by the pool and living in this as soon as I get healed, then I will mentality. He walks up to this guy and asks him probably one of the craziest questions ever asked in all of Scripture. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? Why in the world would God ask this guy a question that when you look at it would just appear to be the dumbest question of all time? Why? Why in the world would you ask this guy? Because let's be frank, just pure logic suggest that if you walk up to this guy and you say to him, do you want to be made before you even get the words healed or whole fully out? You say, do you want to be he? Do you want to be whole? I mean, you haven't even got the word. His response should have been an emphatic yes. Walk through the oncology department at the local hospital where people are laying in bed, breathing maybe their last breath. Imagine walking up to one of them and asking them, do you want to be healed of cancer? It would be almost insulting to ask someone a question that seemingly has such a simplistic and emphatic and just obvious answer. 38 years you've been in this condition, sitting by this pool for decades with disappointment, with hurt, with the what ifs, 
with the second places. But you're still coming to the pool. So there's still a part of you that believes as soon as I get, as soon as I'm the one, maybe everybody here is going to finally get healed and I'll be the only one standing and I can finally get healed. But as soon as that happens, then I'm going to be able to get on my life. And Jesus walks up to him and asks such a silly question by standards by which we would look at the circumstances on the surface. Do you want to be whole? And he looks at Jesus and he should say, yes. But he had become so conditioned by his circumstances. He had become so conditioned by the way he had begun to think and began to, had begun to look at things that he gives an answer filled, filled with excuses and a recap of his circumstance. I mean, think about it. He tells God, he tells Jesus, he says, well, I can't get to the pool. There's nobody that can help me get there. So he gives Jesus a recap of the circumstance and also offers him an excuse. Why? Because he had gotten to the point where that's become his mentality. That he had become so wrapped up in his circumstances, he had lost the ability to see beyond them. And now his circumstances had become a greater imprisonment than his paralysis. Mm, I got to say that again because some of you missed it. I'm gonna, you're going to miss it. If you don't, if you're not careful, your circumstances can become a greater hindrance to you than the paralysis by which you think got you into that circumstance. Or the means that you feel like keep you in that circumstance. I'm not suggesting at all. Please take me for a moment here because I think some of you may be missing what I'm trying to say. I'm not suggesting in any way that circumstances or the circumstances of our lives are irrelevant and have zero effect. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not saying that's not the point. That's completely not true. They do affect us. But we are, 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 we are more than the circumstances of our life. Here you go. If you haven't written anything down, write this down and remember this. Life is not to be found outside of our various situations or circumstances, but within them. If we don't believe that, we're always going to be looking for the next pool of Bethesda. We're going to always be looking for the next as soon as moment. If I don't see that my life and the change in my life is not found outside of my circumstance, but in my circumstance, I'm always going to be looking for the pool of Bethesda. Maybe you're not looking for a physical pool today, but your pool of Bethesda is that new job. Oh, I just missed out on that promotion. But when I get that promotion, oh, I just missed out. Man, my best friend just got married and I'm still single. Why am I still here? But as soon as I get married, man, my life's going to be wonderful. I'm going to, I mean, it's going to be fulfilled. 
or as, as soon as I get this, or you know what, my buddy just retired, or my, my girlfriend, she just retired, and as soon as I retired, I can sit, or as soon as I, man, so-and-so went on, you know, went on Facebook, or went on Instagram, and now they're posting, we got a brand new house, we got a brand new car, look at my new outfit, look at my new, new this, new that, and you're like, man, as soon as I get that, then this is going to happen. You know, they're posting the pictures of them on the beach. Look, we're so happy. This is amazing. You're like, I'm still sitting here in my home after 15 months in quarantine, and I'm about to go crazy. As soon as I can get to the beach, it's going to be awesome. Because you now have tied your life to your circumstances, and when and if your circumstances change, then it's going to produce a change. But that's the illusion of the pool. The illusion of the pool is that's the answer when the answer is standing right in front of you. It's amazing to me that he had to have known. They had to have known by that point in time that Jesus was a healer, that Jesus was a deliverer, that Jesus was, was doing things that nobody had done. And yet standing in front of him was the answer, but he couldn't see the answer because he was too busy trying to focus on what he thought the answer was and what it was supposed to be. Some of you today are looking for the answer and you've convinced yourself that this is the answer when Jesus Christ is standing before you today and he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the answer. He is always the answer. But you can't see him because you're too busy peeking around him. To, 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 you know, like, hey, Jesus, do me a favor. I, look, look, can we talk? But could you, move, could you move over a little bit to the side? Because... Um, I, I need to uh, uh, I need to see the pool. What was that you just asked me? What you? Oh, do I want to be do I want to be made whole? Of course I want to be made whole. Why do you think I'm looking at the pool? Of course, of course. You know, hold on a second. What, hold on. What you? Time out. Oh, I thought I saw. I was close. I was close, man. That was a close one. That water started to ripple. Oh man. And uh, my friend, my friend, uh, my friend uh, Jacob over here. He he told me that maybe he'd help me carry into the pool uh but uh hold on a second before can you stop oh man i was close uh what were you saying do i want to be made whole Pfft, of course i want to be made whole look but the problem is look i've been looking at this pool for the last 30 years and 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 i and and, and even when when it ripples I'm, I'm too far away to get to it you know three weeks ago you wouldn't believe it three weeks ago i had it all planned out I was going to be the first one in. And so I had a buddy that was going to come down. He was going to sit here with me. He had the day off from, from work. He was going to come sit with me that day because we just, I, I just felt like that was going to be my day. And um, I came down and we had it all set up. And, and you won't believe. We were here for, for seven hours. And then he had to go. Something about his kid had a soccer game or something. I don't know what it was. Some, some, something he had to do. You won't believe it. As soon as he left, 10 minutes later, there went the water. And you know what? You know that, that woman, Sarah? She's been here for like three days. She had something going on with her hand or something. I don't know what it was. It was all just kind of curled up or whatever it was, her hand. She'd been here for three days. I've been coming to this, this stinking pool for like 20 years. She'd been here for three days. And you won't believe it. Jacob's out there taking his son to soccer practice. Left me here. Sarah's been here for three days. And lo and behold, 
the water troubled, she put her hand in the water, her hand went, psh, she was perfectly whole. She went off, everyone was clapping and cheering and she was happy and big smile on her face, I'm still stuck in this pool. What'd you ask me, Jesus? What was that you asked me? Do I wanna be whole? Are you kidding me? What kind of question is that? Of course I wanna be whole, made whole. But look at this, I got a problem. Jacob can't come, his kids in soccer, his daughter's in ballet. He's got work to do, and nobody else around here wants to help a brother out. So, of course, I want to be made whole. But the problem is, I can't get in that pool. And the whole time, Jesus is going, okay, hello, 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 um, excuse me. Of course, I, I mean, what kind of question are you asking? Like, seriously, what kind of question are you supposed to, Aren't you supposed to be some kind of, like, the son of God or something? I heard you were, like, yeah, I heard someone told me you turned water into wine and, like a couple weeks ago, you were doing some crazy stuff and like you came out of the desert for 40 days of fasting and you went to some crazy river out in the middle of nowhere and some dude baptized you and some dove came down from heaven and then you're going to come sit here and ask me, do I want to be made whole? What kind of question is that? Of course I want to be made whole. Why do you think I'm still sitting here? And he missed the answer that was before him because he was too busy looking at what he had presumed to be the way out when the way out was right before him. Can I tell you that, my friend? I've come to tell you today that Jesus is trying to give you the way out, but you can't see it because you've convinced yourself that that pool is your answer when Jesus is before you today and he's the answer. Woo! I'm down in the basement by myself today, but I could be jumping up and down if someone would get that revelation. I don't care who you are. Maybe this is the first time you've watched and maybe you've been watching forever or maybe you just stumbled on this recording because someone shared it with you and thought it would, hurt, it would help you. But I'm telling you right now, you may be in that mode in your life right now and you may have not got there by chance. It just may be circumstances are driven, but you now determine your circumstances and are the, are the reason why you're like that and you have determined that this is the path forward. I need to be able to make X so I can pay off Y so then I can have Z. Or I need to go with X so that then I can have Y and then I'm going to get Z. And you've convinced yourself, you've formulated, you've calculated, you've strategized that the way out of your situation or the way to feel better, or the way to have peace, or the way to have joy, or the way to have contentment is found in the pool. But the whole time, the answer's standing before you. But you're looking past it because you're too busy watching the pool. And the, and the answer's standing before you the whole time. There's an old song. I love it. One of my favorite songs. You sing when as a kid. Written by a, by a man named Andre Crouch. Love it just simply says this, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Jesus is the answer. He was the answer. He is the answer. And he will always be the answer. You're not going to find the way out of your, of your situation outside of your circumstance. The way out of your circumstances is in your circumstance. Notice when the three Hebrew boys, for those of you that know the story, I don't have time to go into it. When the three Hebrew boys were thrown in the fire as punishment because they didn't 
obey the king's command. If you never heard the story, you got to go back and read it. Three boys, three Hebrew boys didn't listen to the king as punishment. The king threw them into this furnace to burn them alive. And when they threw them in the furnace, the furnace was so hot that when they went to throw them into the furnace, the, the soldiers that were executing the punishment actually were burned up in the process of trying to kill these three Hebrew boys. They throw them in the furnace. The king comes back a few minutes later, looks in and goes, wait a minute. Not only are they, are they dead, but he said, hey, time out. Wasn't there three guys when we put them in there? Why is there four dudes in the furnace now? Because why? Because Jesus did not show up outside of the fire, but he showed up inside the fire. If you're looking for the answer, it's not outside the fire, it's in the fire. If you're looking for Jesus, he's not outside the fire, he's in the fire. When I stop doing this, then I'm going to find God. When I get through this stage, I'm going to find God. When I finally get all this in order, I'm going to find God. And the whole time, God's standing right there next to you going, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Here, but you're like, okay, hold on, you know, time out, move over. You know, Jesus, guess what? When I get to that pool and I get the pool of Bethesda, then guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna find you and I'm gonna start following you. And he's like, I'm already here. You don't need to wait for the pool. I'm standing before you. Don't look for God outside the fire. He's trying to show you who he is inside the fire. You say, when I, when I get past this addiction, then I'm gonna find God. When I get out of this marriage, I'm going to find God. When I get married, my husband and I, or my wife and I, we're going to put God first. When I, when, how about this? You know, God, I can't, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't give because I don't have the money. But when I do get the money, I'm going to give. Lord, I, I can't, I, I can't give my tithe and offering right now because I, I don't have enough money. But Lord, if you would bless me, then I will. No, nah, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't, that doesn't work. The, God says, you know what? Do now because here's the answer. Do now. Take your dollar and give five cents. But you're like, I need that dollar right now. But if you start giving me a thousand dollars, then I'll definitely give. God says, no, no, give me from what you've got. When the prophet showed up to the widow woman and he said to her, I need something to eat. And she goes, you know, I got a problem, sir. I don't have anything to give you. He said, what do you got? She goes, I just have a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil left, but it's only enough for my son and I to eat. And then we're going to die. He said, give me what you got. Wait a minute. I don't have anything to give you, but this little bit and I need it. He said, no, no, no. God's telling you, give me what you got. If you give me what you got, he'll take care of it. But I need it. So out of obedience, she made the last of it for the prophet. She gave him the last of it. She had nothing left. But the next time, and the next time, and the next time, and the next time, she kept going back. God kept providing, kept providing, kept providing, kept providing. But we would have been like, okay, you know what? Listen, I don't have anything to give you. My son and I are going to eat. But look, if, if you could help me get some more, I'll, I'll gladly make, I mean, I can make a killer pie. I mean, everybody in the whole village thinks my pies are the best. I can, I can, I mean, I'll get it. But I don't have enough to make you one and me one and my son. So we need to take care of what we've got first. Then when that happens, I'll get you yours. And it never comes. Do you know what? Tomorrow is never going to come. As long as you keep living in the tomorrow mindset. Tomorrow I'll, tomorrow I'll, tomorrow I'll, you find that tomorrows never come. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, now faith 
Not faith, but now faith. You can't put faith on layaway. You can't put faith on layaway, pay a little bit, and finally when you get enough stored up, you can go purchase it and bring it home. You have to have faith now because it's not about the amount. It's about the moment. It's not about how much you have, but it's about will you use what you've got. The Bible says you have the faith the size of a mustard seed. You can say to a mountain, be removed. It's not about, well, I got a mountain. I need a mountain of faith. So when I get that mountain of faith, I'm definitely going to be able to climb this mountain. When I get, when I get spiritual, I'm definitely going to be able to walk with Jesus. He said, no, no, you just need a mustard seed. If all you have is a mustard seed, it's not about the amount. It's about the moment. Use what you've got. It's not about getting to the pool today. It's about the fact that the answer is standing before you. You just got to see it. Do you want to be made whole? Yes. Because this pool ain't working. I need you. You're the way, the truth, and the life. You're the healer. Because this pool is for the birds. It's chance. It's happenstance. It's an illusion. But your truth, that's what the answer should have been. That's what his response should have been. I know that's not the answer. You're my answer. Would you heal me? He's the way. He has been, will be, and will always be. The world we live in has absolutely sold us the bill of goods. Because the world we live in has become a place where you're always being sold a, an as soon as mentality. As soon as you buy this, you'll feel this way. As soon as you get this, you'll do that. As soon as you go there, you'll feel this way. As soon as you experience this, and our world has fed this mentality that now we believe that's the case. We go into debt to buy things we should never have bought because we feel like if we can buy those things, it will make us feel this way. We buy cars, we run up credit card bills, chasing things because we feel like that's the answer. We don't say it that way. That's not what we intend it to be, but that the reality we've been told. I mean, literally, I got this iPad three years ago. Two years ago, I believe it was. This iPad, this thing still, it's phenomenal. It's great, works well. I use it for all my study. I use it for teaching, preaching, doing the things that I do here. But if I listen to Apple, this thing is outdated. It's old, it's antiquated. I mean, I might as well be talking to a, to, you know, a string can tied up to a, a, a string and can. This is how old this is because if I don't get the latest chip and I don't get the latest graphics, this thing is a piece of junk. So what do I do? I got to go out and get a new one. I got to get a new one. Come on. I, this one's terrible. When in reality, this does everything I need and does it phenomenal. I don't need the new one, but I've been told if I have the new one, it's going to be better. So I go out and spend money I don't have to get the newest one. And then two months later, I'm still doing the same stuff on it. And I've always done it. it doesn't really, you can't really tell a difference. I'm not suggesting that we should, you know, not enjoy things in life, technology. I love technology. I enjoy new stuff. Can't wait to get my hands on that new Apple iMac with the M1 chip. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you do. That M1 chip, super fast. Can't wait to see that. Can't wait to get my hands on that. Comes out the end of May. I'm not getting endorsed by Apple, but it's just exciting. But I know when I get that M1 chip and I do some stuff on it that now takes me 30 minutes to do that I'll be able to do in 10 minutes. Yeah, that's great, but it's not going to fulfill me. It's not going to be my answer. I'm not going to go, 
Okay, I now have found the meaning of life. This is it. The M1 chip from Apple has changed my life. Yeah, it would be nice. It would be great because I do a lot of stuff for Antioch West. I'm doing videos and graphics and things like that, teaching series and, you know, the computer I'm using now, I have to have a come to Jesus meeting every once in a while because it's so stinking slow. But yeah, the M1 chip's great, but it's not going to be fulfilling to my life. It's going to make my life easier, but it's not the answer. Because you know what? Even if that guy would have gotten healed at that pool, he still didn't get Jesus. He'd have gotten healing from the pool, but that would only have left him with the illusion that there were other pools out there. But realizing standing there that day was the way, the truth, and the life. If you got Jesus, you don't need healing. If you got Jesus, you don't have to worry about your circumstances because he is always the way. If he heals you, great. If he doesn't, great. Stop looking for the pool because if you get that pool, it's just going to open you up to another pool and you'll just be swimming through each pool of life the, as soon as pools that continue. But if you get Jesus, you get everything. God bless you. Thank you for watching today. Father, I pray today. I've spoken what you've given me to speak. I've tried not to add to or take from that. But Lord, you see every circumstance that's out there. You see every individual. You know what they need. You know what they're looking for. And God, I pray today that our eyes would be open. That we would see that you are the answer. You're the answer. And I'm not just saying this, Father, to those that are watching for the first time. There are some that have been walking with you for many, many years that still to this day look for answers outside of you. When you are the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but by you. I pray today in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would open our eyes, that we can see that you're the answer, that we don't need the pool. You're standing before us right now saying, here I am, here I am, here I am. And if we get you, we get everything. We don't need healing. We don't need deliverance. We got you. We got all of it. I pray today that you would open our eyes, a spirit of revelation would come to us. And more than that, God, that we would be filled with faith, but not faith of tomorrow or next week, but we would be filled with a now faith, a now faith, a faith that lasts in the moment. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thank you for joining with. I hope if this blessed you, that maybe you'll come back, watch it again. Let God continue to talk. Share it with somebody that you feel like it can bless. Not because in some way we get benefited by it, but it's. But there are people out there that need to hear. The answer is not in the pool. The answer is in Jesus Christ. Let's believe that. Let's walk in that, and let's put that into practice. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hope you come back and be with us again next Sunday, 10 a.m. You can watch us, as always, on YouTube. We have Tuesday Talks, Digging Deeper, so much available to you here in Aok West. I pray that you would let God continue to talk to you and you would continue to walk in him. God bless you. Hopefully come back and see us again next time. Right at home tonight, 7.30. We are back right at home. We've been off for two weeks. We will be back tonight, 7.30, right at home. Hope to see you then. God bless you. Hope you have a wonderful day.